0: Hi, and welcome to a very special Festivus Day episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. Longtime listeners will not be surprised to hear that speaking with today's guest is one of the highlights of my year, if not career. I have been an unbelievable fan of this man's work for many, many years, and I make sure to let everybody know about it at every single possible opportunity. Today I'm in conversation with one of the writers of such shows as Batboy the musical, Heathers the musical, and of course, Legally Blonde the musical. I am talking with the great Lawrence O'Keefe. Now, what's interesting is, is though the first half of our conversation has nothing to do with musical theater. In fact, it has to do with a very peculiar tradition that his family started celebrating when he was very, very young. And despite the fact that it was something that he and his two brothers never really embraced, decades later, through one of the most popular shows in television history, it became not only a pop culture phenomenon, but a part of millions of families' annual holiday celebrations. We are talking about the true origins of the holiday known as Festivus. Of course, however, you will not be surprised to hear that in talking with Lawrence O'Keefe, I eventually had to pivot the conversation to both Legally Blonde and Heather's, and something that I have on record, and I think this will hold up in the court of law, me, him, and his wife and regular collaborator Nell Benjamin apparently have plans for next summer, and I am holding on to this with every fiber of my being. So, with all of that out of the way, here's one of my very favorite episodes we've done in a long time, my interview with Lawrence O'Keefe. It was festival.
1: It's nothing. It's nothing. When George was growing Jerry, up, no. his father no. hated all the commercial and religious aspects of Christmas, yeah. so he made up his own holiday. Oh, and another piece of the puzzle falls into place. All right. And instead of a tree, <laughs> didn't your father put up an aluminum pole? i like, no. stop it. And then weren't there feats of strength that always ended up with you crying? I can't do it anymore. I'm going nowhere. You happy now?
0: All right. So if my research is correct, and I I think it is because I'm citing Wikipedia and they're never wrong. um, The Festivus episode of Seinfeld aired on December 18th, which is uh, tomorrow is is December 18th as we're recording. But back in 1997. But as far as you know, when was the first time that your family ever celebrated Festivus? (laughs)
1: Um, I became aware of a strange holiday that my family was planning probably around the age of five or six, maybe older, but that was probably it. Um, yeah, the word began to be spoken. And then my mom started laying out the nice tablecloth on the dining room table and, and strewing M&Ms around the table. So I thought this couldn't be bad. (laughs) I was so wrong.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. So the, the holiday that you grew up Knowing with M&M yeah. celebrating, which uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that M&M's are part of the festivities. Um, yeah. What was that like? I mean, obviously, I think there's a version of this holiday that people know yeah. from pop culture now, yeah. but I know yeah. it wasn't exactly the same.
1: Right. There are many similarities or sort of like translations of the event. Uh, there were feats of strength, but that was sort of incidental because my brothers and I were always wrestling and we're, my brother, old brother was bullying the two younger brothers and that was happening a lot the main thing that is the closest to what audiences will recognize is the airing of grievances which was a very formal process my dad would bring out a tape recorder a very old primitive one that he usually couldn't figure out how to operate but he you know he he would teach himself again every year um and he would try to sum up the year uh, the Festivus would usually happen late in the year. Sometimes it would be sort of right between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Sometimes it would be before. Uh, other years he might have it earlier because he, I guess, his his fragile ego needed a, a pick me up. Um, but he would complain about the year and into the tape recorder, and then he would summon his kids to talk about our years. And eventually, <laughs> on these tapes, you could eventually hear us getting tired or, or or bored and trying to say dad can we go to bed <laughs> um it just so happens also one of my dad's favorite plays was the samuel beckett play craps last tape in which an old man plays tapes of himself as a younger man so he liked that so he turned that into a holiday <laughs> um yeah the the other bits that are similar there wasn't an aluminum pole but more than one year, there would be a very tall stack of empty Pabst Blue Ribbon cans that classic. would very that somebody classic. would stack. And that was usually the, me and my brothers doing it. My dad actually probably didn't love his alcohol consumption to sort of be uh, pointed up, but we we did want it pointed up. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that's about it.
0: Yeah. So from what I understand, it's like the whole poll idea is mm-hmm. maybe not a direct relation, but maybe... At least similar in in spirit to this idea of like putting a clock on a on the wall but like uh, in a no, bag no, no. Yeah. Do you, is that uh, do you think that's the, true
1: um yeah, my dad would often talk about it. I don't know if if we saw an actual clock in the bag these were weird sort of um tokens of some event that my parents would never quite explain to us. Here, here's the deal. My dad was a very devout Catholic until one day he noticed he hated it and quit at the age of about 18. Did, he was going to be didn't a we all, Didn't we all? Didn't we all? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, he 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 was very devout and then he realized, oh, wait a minute, priests treated me very badly and now I'm going to not be a Catholic ever again. He became a committed atheist and a sociologist trying to understand why we treat each other badly with religion. And he actually wrote an entire book about how magical thinking became religion and uh no one's ever been able to finish it. it was very strange and impenetrable but he also even though he was a committed atheist he really kind of recreated a lot of the rituals and strange behaviors of catholicism in his own family he sort of turned his own family into a religion You know, i mean i don't really understand my dad never have but i think asperger's gets a bad rap um and he actually for a person who clearly had interesting neurological diversity he uh he he sort of noticed it and uh understood his deficits and tried to overcome them he actually tried to teach himself every language ever devised by man and he made it he taught himself the rudiments or the fundaments of about 40 different languages wow uh so he's he's a he's a busy brain and so he also had a lot of mythology and tried to to mythologize his own family so we think festivus although we have no con We have no confirmation from my parents because they would never they were coy about it they would never really confirm it but we think that festivus is kind of a commemoration of my parents first date or possibly the first time they ever had sex or probably both um yeah it was it was it was a little winky there so he then translated the celebration of our family into the strange thing which we instinctively knew from our earliest age we must never tell anyone ever about and um so he it was just an opportunity for him to monologue mostly and it was a it was, it was a strange sort of way for him to blow off steam and we we sort of tried to put it to bed and and not take part in say college until uh my brother dan was writing for seinfeld and my younger brother mark was at a party with all of our mutual comedy writer friends and let slip that we had this holiday and everyone sort of went wait what and he listened and Mark realized he was He was spilling beans about something maybe you shouldn't. And then the next day, I think Dan got a message from the higher up saying, yeah, so Jerry wants to do this as an episode. And he said, absolutely not. And they said, "Okay, you don't have to. Jerry will write it. (laughs) This will be done with you or without you. It's up to you. Dan acquiesced. And now we all have a national holiday.
0: What is that? I mean, because like you said, it's not the exact same thing, but like that has to be wild to see this thing that you kind of grew up, maybe not, Mm -hmm. maybe not um, (laughs) disliking or trying to avoid, but not exactly embracing either become a thing that like literally millions of people not Mm -hmm. only saw, but like have made it part of their own family and holiday
1: extravaganzas.
0: Like that's got to be wild.
1: Well, it is true. We feared and hated it. It was (laughs) proof that our family was somehow wrong and broken. Us and it was proof that we didn't understand the world and that we didn't understand, you know, we didn't observe the social mores that everyone else did. And we just tried to put it behind us as much as we could, only to discover every family has weird rituals that the kids are a little ashamed of. Yeah, every family has weird, particular habits. And it is not just the weirdness of the holiday, but it's also the fact that George is ashamed of it too. That I think is the main thing that helped make it, uh, universally appealing, not to mention the fact that the holiday itself is a ritual opportunity to complain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're grateful to my weird crackpot dad for his contribution to world culture.
0: Yeah. I mean, he, like basically everybody in your family, uh, was mm. a writer and, and, Had a lot of his work, not only that book, but like with Reader's Digest and everything, but like to think that this holiday is the the lasting uh, contribution to society and to have been now something that millions of people celebrate every year, like. I don't even know how to wrap my mind around that. We, cel- <laughs> we celebrate my parents' first date in my family. It usually just Ooh. involves getting pizza uh, because that's what they did <laughs> on their first date. But it is not uh-huh. something now that like was turned into one of the most iconic episodes yeah. in sitcom yeah. history.
1: <laughs> that is true. I mean, uh, it, it might just be the perfect storm. Uh, in, in all seriousness, my dad had all sorts of issues communicating with people. He had, you know, I, I I know that he had a lifetime of trauma in his childhood and also a lifetime of, of not understanding how people work very well. Um, I don't think he was ever diagnosed with anything except alcoholism. And as a result, he had a lot of grudges against the world, some justifiable and some not. And so it's that understanding that we as a society have this, pressure to not complain during the holidays. We're told the holidays are the time when everyone's nice to each other or when everyone must be generous. And some of us are like, well, I don't want to be generous to these assholes I'm related to. (laughs) And as a result, a holiday that acknowledges that and gives some outlet to that, I, I think that is a good contribution to the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, especially... In in the last few years, well, let's say the last six years when things have gotten uh, uh, a little more frazzled between some family members. I I feel like there's probably some people who actually look for that outlet and uh, really appreciate that. Yeah. Does your family or do your brother's families like, is this like something that has become more widely adopted in the (laughs) O'Keefe family now that like it's been a popular part of popular culture?
1: Meaning do we celebrate some kind of festivals? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no. A,
0: no.
1: <laughs> now we, we have occasionally joked about uh incorporating or creating a church like the first church of Festivus where nice. we would be the celebrants and we would certainly take donations and we we could certainly <laughs> lead uh if we wanted to we could lead weekly complaint sessions uh culminating in a holiday festival of lights and pabst we you know <laughs> it, we thought about it um it's not that hard to get tax free status it's just it's something yeah. that we would have to then invest in yeah and, and as anybody who writes for comedy knows uh even if you don't actually believe in what you're writing investing time then you know it means you're investing some of your soul in it and i think we all kind of realized we're not we 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 don't particularly want to to open up this particular
0: Yeah. Yeah. Other than like your, your brother, maybe getting the occasional royalty check from that show. I'm sure that it's uh, not, not necessarily at the center of a lot of your thoughts. Um, As you know, uh, well, and we've talked about before, one of my great grievances is that Legally Blonde is not still running on Broadway. So if I'm airing grievances, like that is going to be one of mine um I, I i i would be betraying who I am fundamentally at the core of my person if oh, I didn't talk you. to you about <laughs> oh, you know you. what that show has kind of done and evolved to and I think now that it's being done all over the country like I've seen it in multiple states in multiple places and every time oh, no, no matter very it's, kind well i mean whether it's this huge big um professional production or an amateur thing like there is still something about that show that just rings not only from a fundamentally like musical theater writing like quality sure. standpoint, but oh, just like you. the humanity of the characters that obviously are from the movie, but that you and Nell kind of reshaped in, into this form. Like there's something special about that. And and while it's not the same as Festivus, I feel like you <laughs> you two have also kind of like oh. brought new life to these characters in ways that that oh, might not have been there before.
1: Well thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that hugely. I suggest I think Nell is the one most responsible for that Heather Hawks, a lovely writer. Uh, i had a good time working on it i think nell was the one who actually pointed the way forward for that piece and in fact nell grew up in an irish family that had worked hard and actually had transcended uh their roots a bit i mean certainly my family had too but my dad you know was usually more gripped with uh i don't know what the word is doubt and regret and complaint about what he had fallen short of meanwhile my my wife's family nell's family had risen above Irish working-class roots and had worked really really hard and uh had succeeded and had sort of pointed a real a good way for us Irish to to get along the world which is get on with it don't complain at least at home get you know get the work done and see the good in any situation and so uh Nell actually I think is the secret sauce that made a, a wonderful movie into a a uh a luckily uh very th- you know a three-dimensional show uh, the other thing we notice about Elle Woods is that she wins without hurting people, mm-hmm. and yeah. th- she has made up her mind in the movie as well as as the uh, the musical that she will find a way to win, but she will not do it by hurting other women, other people by by being gratuitously cruel. And that's one thing we notice. And when whoa, that's that's weird. That's that's practically neurodiverse. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is that might be the secret sauce too. That um she refuses to accept some of the assumptions of any given situation, whether it's, you know, Harvard or whether it's, you know, working in the law industry. Uh, She just has principles that she keeps front and center and among them are kindness and finding a third way to uh, solve a situation without, you know, find, finding a way for everyone to win. And that's, that I think is the, that's the birthright of the movie that was already in the DNA of the movie. And Nell, I think was the one spearheading bringing that forward, and in that way, perhaps Legally Blonde is the anti-festivus.
0: I was just thinking the exact same thing. Like that has the complete different <laughs> uh, ethos than <laughs> than Festivus. But it, you know, I, my my love for that show is is deep and abiding. And but it was but it's so great for me now is seeing. Other people, younger generations continue to adopt that. And that's that's a legacy, not unlike Festivus, that I think is probably going to outlive all of us uh, and, and outlive, you know, the creators of, of these things. <laughs> yeah. uh, and hopefully, like your brother getting Festivus royalty checks, you to continue to profit off of that as well. <laughs> um, but as you kind of see it done across the country with younger kids, especially, I mean, it's being done in high schools and there's like the junior versions or whatever, like how rewarding is that for you as a creator for you and Nell and for Heather and um, to kind of see this being, you know, to grow bigger than just that initial Broadway production and to see more and more people, especially learn that lesson of kindness.
1: Oh, well that, that is, is incredibly heartwarming. And, and it is, (laughs) I think it probably forms the basis of my good mood, my, my emotional stability um not least because it it has in a sense done better with every iteration the national tour did great it it arguably did better than the broadway run which was very very good the uh, london run did even better than the uh, national tour and now yeah people are doing it in in uh regionals and amateurs and uh school situations and in every case there's there are new surprises and great people adding new things bringing their own personality we had actually kind of worried uh oh is this show a little old-fashioned because specifically l woods wins without hurting people and we're like uh oh i mean we're in the age of me too when uh women are are hopefully finally getting rewarded for speaking up about injustice and so therefore why should l woods be held up as a the perfect woman because she wins without hurting people it i think uh you know most most heroes whether it's in action movies or even musicals they do have to hurt people sometimes because sometimes in life defending yourself actually means hurting the other person's ability to hurt you however we have been very pleasantly surprised in the last few years to realize actually uh, elwood's principles remain a decent thing for everyone to strive for men should do that too <laughs> men yeah. should work hard at finding a way not to hurt people as they win there's almost always a better way than the one that involves destroying your opponent uh no matter what your gender is so that has been that has been almost a relief to realize oh well, yeah there's there still something that the show uh can speak to and and, and can remain relevant uh with yeah I no no um, that's, that's lovely Thank you. Yeah, we're we, you can tell cruelty and uh, forbearance and endurance are <laughs> front and center in in the work of Nell Benjamin and me.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of of cruelty and destroying your opponents, let's pivot real quick to another show and uh, and Heather's, which is uh, has that very much at the center of of that story, but also kind of pulling away from that. It recently got what you know i know you had talked a lot about um when the show was originally off broadway and coming that you know hopefully there would be a movie or or something like that and now this isn't exactly a a movie but it was captured in london is now available to stream for free on on roku which is you know to me i I love all these streaming services that are doing musicals and whether they're live captures or adaptations we're getting matilda on netflix that's awesome but the fact that like this is free for anybody to see. I think that's actually really special and, and and unique that another show that I absolutely adore is getting a chance to be seen oh, by really anybody who who wants to.
1: Um, I cannot be I cannot be uh, express enough gratitude. Roku was absolutely wonderful. They had a just the wonderful. Uh, they they had the the most wonderful attitude towards it. They made things possible. Uh, it was a smooth experience it was uh there were tons of possible questions do we do this with a new all-star cast do we do this out of london do we find a new space do we do it No. the answer was we do it in the place where the show was already running it's been running since over a year ago uh in uh the other palace in london a wonderful place after by the way being on tour and uh on the west yeah. end uh, for a second run last year we've had it's been like a continuous heather's since oh my god june of 21 uh it's it's possibly it's approaching some of the longest runs i've ever done of a show of my own and great people uh london audiences and artists are the equal of anyone in the world it's been a fantastic experience and to capture that particular production was just a joy we got to go there that was the first time i'd been on a plane in two years or more and i wasn't going to miss that and we with the brilliance of Andy Fickman, our stage director, who's also a brilliant film director. He managed to translate it beautifully. And, you know, uh, there's kind of a percentage that we writers, us composer and Broadway types, sometimes talk about where we we quiz each other. What percentage of your vision wound up on the stage? Meaning you get to opening night, how close is it to what you think it could be? And uh, I... If if it's not a hundred percent, I don't think any any show's hundred percent, but of all the shows I've ever written, that particular production actually is the closest to what i think it could be because it it was just joyful and and yeah i I recommend everybody go check it out on roku if you have a subscription you don't have to watch commercials but the commercials are pretty fun because we have a cool super 80s type uh transition in and out of every commercial which i (laughs) which you can't get on live stage
0: no absolutely not well and (laughs) and it was a total joy to see and i'd never seen that production over in london um but to see that on stage and to also see like I don't know if these have just become more popular after that was released, but like now all of a sudden on social media, I'm seeing all of the the cast members, like what they're doing behind uh, or like backstage before they go on and whether it was yeah. for the TV. like that's cool as well. And to be able to now be able to say, Oh wait, I know exactly what's happening there because I've seen that live capture. Like yeah. that that's fun. It adds another level to these shows that I certainly never anticipated, you know, 20 years ago when social media really wasn't a thing, but it's mm-hmm. adding more life to these shows. And whether it's that, or I know when the Muni did Legally Blonde, like the the choreo um, audition <laughs> set was like, became this huge yeah, thing. And like, that's uh, so great. Yeah. The social media is really yeah. uh, loving these shows and, and a lot of other musicals as well. But like, I feel like these two shows maybe because they appeal towards uh, a younger female audience, which is very mm-hmm. much the, at the heart of a lot of Broadway fandom, like that's actually mm-hmm. helped quite a bit.
1: Oh, absolutely! That 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 has been a wonderful thing. A lot of our a lot of our Heather's folks uh do it because they love it, or because they also they're very savvy um, people putting their talents out in the world. One of our amazing cast is Hannah Lowther, who became known as the Tesco uh West End dancer. Uh, slash singer, she, uh, she has been in our ensemble. She's also been our dance captain. And now she think I guess she now has the title of resident director where she helps uh, us oh, wow. put in the show. She helps us uh, maintain the show and and put in new uh, actors. She got her start. I think she had had a great job in a West End show lined up. Then the pandemic hit. So she had to take a job at Tesco, which is kind of like uh, I think it's like, you know, supermarket yeah. Uh, and so she said fuck it and she started filming tiktoks of herself dancing in the aisles of her workplace and that became viral and she became beloved that got our attention and it's a good thing also that she was a brilliant performer uh and it made it easy for us to hire her she wound up in the show oh, wow. and it helped you know the show helped her social media presence her social media presence helped her show and most importantly her talent helped her and as a result it you know she's one of the best known people in the show uh and now she's moving into uh choreography and direction and she's probably 25 at the most uh so yeah there are there are amazing things that social media can do uh her heart's in a wonderful place and uh so yeah we we hope to we we, we hope she employs us someday um <laughs> yeah i i am a firm believer in in the ability of social media to do to do good Uh, You just have to choose to do it, (laughs) Uh, but it's very rewarding. Yeah, Yeah.
0: speaking to a certain billionaire out there, you have to choose to use social (laughs) media well. Um, Well, uh, I'll I'll wrap this up um, with with one more question, although I do want to say we talked about Liglebon and Heather's. You did not work on this show, but uh, Nell did. I think those two combined with Mean Girls just kind of make this perfect trilogy (laughs) um, of like not only like just really smart shows, but like. Shows that just look at things slightly different than I think a lot of other musical theater shows do. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate both of you for for all Mm -hmm. of those things. But um, since you don't celebrate Festivus on an annual basis, (laughs) um, which I think I completely understand, rather than looking at grievances and airing of Mm -hmm. grievances. Is there anything, uh, as you look back at the, at this year, whether it's something to do with Heathers or a show or something personally or whatever, is there something that, maybe not a grievance, but something that you're most grateful for from looking back through the course of 2022?
1: I am grateful for a thousand things. Uh, certainly surviving uh, this much pandemic, this reasonably well. <laughs> but also I I I think I will most of all be grateful for the perseverance and sacrifices of our friends and our fellow artists broadway was dark for easily a year probably 15 16 17 months west end came back in june of 21 it turned out to be too soon many shows closed but the actors hung on uh broadway really didn't come back until you know fall of 21 and they hung on they did um i think of the actors who stuck around and took you know survival jobs and the actors who had to, to move out of town and and change careers some of them have gotten to come back hopefully all of them will if they want to but I just did a reading with Nell of our new show yeah uh, about three days ago oh wow with some friends that we've known for 20 years 25 years some that we you know worked with, on Legally Blonde with some that we've met in the last two years and every one of them Put on the mask got on the subway came in tested uh for covid every day or every other day and then had to perform with masks off in a room full of people who were told they had to have masks on and i think everyone and every one of them complied i know that not all of them you know were happy about that because who's happy about where i have to wear a mask you know three years later but they did and so um I got a great lesson years ago I can't remember it might might have been Nell saying that the artist is not the pencil in your hand the writer and the artist work together as part you know equal parts of the same body making the art the artist you know the 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 singer the the actor the performer the dancer is is one of the the crucial organs in one unified body making the art I sound kind of like my dad talking in some weird Catholic way (laughs) Um, body of Christ Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah exactly but we but but i had uh i have had a very lucky life partly because i get to write and work with great actors but then i don't have to go on every night when you can get sick when there's still dangers out there when there's these hideous hardships and injustices so they are the heroes uh that includes stage managers that includes the the five members of the band that, that worked it includes our amazing orchestrator who abandoned family in boston to come down and work um these people are still making theater they're still doing it in situation in, in a situation which and here's my grievance is still not safe enough yeah 100%. so um so that's my gratitude uh and it is it's gratitude for people who are working harder than me uh and and sacrificing more than me so i i hope to be worthy of that and uh i hope to make good on their on their contributions i i hope to to uh match them in their in their contributions. How about that?
0: That's perfect. Well, I, I, y- you brought up a new, like, I have to ask, this is, might be All one right. of those things that we, we <laughs> said beforehand, you might not be able to talk about, but like right. new, yeah. new show, new reader. What yes. is there, can you share anything about that?
1: Yes. The only, well, I mean, there's been, you know, it's been in the, in the playbill and the, the various places over the years, mm-hmm. but this is our latest and greatest uh, iteration of our show about Renaissance fairs um and and it's probably not a coincidence guess what everything i said about actors is true of Renfair folk that they put on a show every day for strangers most of whom don't show up in masks and so it's a backstage story the uh the little log line or maybe the the short description of our show is it's about love betrayal bad behavior demagoguery dictatorship and revolution at a renaissance fair and the title is Huzzah! <laughs>
0: oh that's perfect i love that i love that any any uh any hints as to who was participating anyone that we might uh know of from like you said some previous stuff or some other things
1: uh, i won't tell you right now because okay. i don't want to I, I actually they're also wonderful i don't want to i want to highlight one without highlighting them all but hopefully you'll see all of them soon uh cross your fingers.
0: Uh, uh, you, you know, I'm always crossing <laughs> fingers for
1: all of your shows to be able to see them. So oh, okay, I'm very
0: yeah. much looking forward to huzzah, for which I think you have to say with the exclamation, <laughs> it has an exclamation uh, point, I'm assuming, yes, right?
1: Abs- absolutely. Yes. Okay. Because when you go to the Ren Fair and you buy a turkey leg, they don't shout it until you put a tip in their jar. Then they shout it really loud.
0: Okay, well, <laughs> your knowledge of Ren Fairs is far exceeds mine because I did not know that. So well, uh,
1: next summer we'll take you. We'll, I we'll will- absolutely show you. I yeah. will,
0: I will hold you to that. So right. uh, thank you so much for sharing your time in this holiday yeah. season, whether it's Festivus or not. Um, I really appreciate it <laughs> and, yes. and give your, or give my best uh, to Nell. As you know, I'm a, a big fan of right. both of yours. So have a wonderful holiday and hopefully we'll talk soon.
1: Well, Bye. we're huge fans of yours right back at you. Much love and, and have a safe and peaceful holiday.